your soul from your spirit the way that seems right to a man is your soul from your spirit man your spirit gets it but your soul is trying to figure it out and all of a sudden you give dominance to the spirit and the truth of god's word he illuminates what's dimly lit because when you get born again god has placed the whole bible inside of your heart already when you get saved you get a new heart you don't work with the old one and that word is already in buried and it's it's inside of your heart already but it takes illumination from scripture to breathe upon what's in there and you have to spend time with god so that he can reveal what's inside so you have an intimate relationship with god where he's communing with your spirit where you start to enter into that but guilt shame and condemnation eliminate you from relationship so the enemy knows how to make people guilty ashamed bitter afraid come on he knows how to keep you in condemnation. He, the world calls it depression. But I promise you, you can be clinically depressed as you want. Because I was. I was bipolar. I was borderline. I had it all. And Jesus went, poof! Knocked that thing out of the park. Come on, I'm telling you. Like Jesus canceled my lifetime subscription to issues. Return to sender. <sighs> no place. Look, when the, Holy, when the Holy Ghost set up camp in me, there's a mark on my forehead. It's, it's called being sealed. Do you know what that mark says to the enemy? No room at the inn. This is such a big deal. There is a war, and it's for your soul. It's not, it, when we say we save souls, I'm talking about biblical understanding. It says that may the God of peace, it's in Thessalonians. May the God of peace sanctify you completely, spirit, soul, and body. Sanctify means completely set apart. He wants to completely set apart you in your spirit. When you get born again, you are set apart in your spirit. When your mind gets renewed, you're set apart in your soul. And then when your soul gets renewed, when your mind gets renewed, and when you start to see the way God sees, your body can no longer tell you what to do. I mean, your body can never tell you what to do anyway. It takes the flesh. When we talk about the spirit and the flesh and the war, we're talking about the way that seems right to man, the carnal side of man. That is what enables sin to happen in your life. Are you with me? James says, no one is tempted lest he's led away by his own desires from within. Well, the question is, what if your within gets changed? What if your desire is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? What if that becomes your desire? Jesus said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. When's the last time your eye told you what to do? How can your eye tell you what to do? When's the last time your hand did something that your mind didn't premeditate? I want you to think with me. When's the last time, because we read that scripture and it sounds pretty severe. It says, it's better to enter into heaven with one hand than to go to hell. That's what Jesus says. Jesus, by the way, talks about hell more than anybody. People are like, well, hell's not real. Take it up with Jesus. Yeah. You're like, well, this world's hell. No, nope, you've made it that way. Because you're not surrendered, you're not submitted, and your mind's not renewed. So you think this way that seems right to a man is all there is, and it's a lie. It's a facade. No, no, no. We're in a spiritual war. The enemy's after you. He wants you to see these things here so that you can't see this right here. But when you connect, his everything, he hates me so much. The enemy hates me because my mind is, is being renewed and has been renewed, and I know who I am. So everywhere I go, 
I am proclaiming and trumpeting identity, teaching people about the finished work of Christ because the blood is what we need. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses your conscience from dead works. Your conscience, your memory bank, your, your mind, your will, your emotions, the things that you think about, your conscience. You have a conscience in here. The blood of Jesus sweeps through internally. The blood of bulls and goats atoned for sin on the outside, but the absence in here still remained. Guilt, shame, and condemnation were still ruling men. Because the way into the Holy of Holies in heaven wasn't made available. When Jesus said it was finished, the difference between the atonement and the cleansing are completely different. See, the cleansing of the blood of animals left the high priest condemned. You read Hebrews 9. It's powerful. But the blood of Jesus didn't leave you condemned. The blood of Jesus cleansed and washed through your whole being. That's why when you get born again, there's this, oh my gosh, this weight has been lifted. But unless you nurture the divine nature and go into depth of what God says about you, you will have everything according to life and godliness, but you'll never access any of it because you're still thinking carnally instead of spiritually. There is a huge war going on, and the devil wants to make you think you can't read the Bible, you can't understand Scripture, you need someone else to interpret it for you. That's not what Jesus paid a price for. He paid a price so that you could actually have intimacy with God. The same intimacy that Jesus has with the Father is available to you. That means the same same life that Jesus has with the Father, I can actually have with the Father every day. No one can stop me from that. The devil doesn't have the ability to that because it is finished means that your ability to get to God is done and his ability to get to you is happening. He got to you so much so that the presence of God doesn't sit outside of you, it comes inside of you. Where Christ in you, the anointing in you, it wasn't Jesus Christ wasn't his last name. Do you know it wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ? Had Jesus Christ. It was Jesus, the one anointed by God. So Christ in you is the anointing in you, the hope of glory. The hope of the manifestation of God in your life. It's super powerful. I'm kind of in teach mode. Are you guys all right? Okay. It's super powerful. Because this right here takes out the, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Because when you do something that's not wrong, the Bible says to confess to God who is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So if unrighteousness is cleansed, righteousness remains. That means that if I make a mistake, I go, oh, my gosh, Lord, that. That's not you. Father, I thank you. This is not who you created me to be. Now, because of my research in Scripture, my constant press into the Word, I have truth that's bubbling up inside of me that the Holy Spirit's revealing to me because that's the weapons of my warfare. So now I made that mistake. I back away. I don't keep going. I step back. Father, I thank you. This is who you created me to be. I start to confess that truth, and I have my intimacy with God restored immediately. It never leaves me. And God says, well done. He takes my sin, and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. And the Bible says, my sins and my lawless deeds, he'll remember no more. So he doesn't even think about that thing that I made the mistake about ever again because I brought it to him. And I live my Christian life, and that is called fine-tuning for life. So every time you're going through life, if there's something you say that's wrong, repent. 
Say, listen, I shouldn't have. I'm so sorry. I raised my voice. That wasn't right. Do you forgive me? Yes, I do. Praise God. Lord, thank you. You're so good. I love you. You are amazing. The enemy reminds you of something that you're not. Thank God for who you really are. Don't pay attention to him. The devil's a liar. He's behind you. Look, people are like, people are like, you know, he's, he's always whispering. He doesn't stop because he doesn't believe that you believe what you say you believe. He just believes he can rattle you. He can touch you. He can get you flustered. Don't let him get you flustered. Find out the truth and go after truth. Don't let that thing bind you, but let the truth set you. Man, Jesus said, then, then they will know the truth and the truth will. This is all about the truth. Well, Jesus is the way, the, and the life. It says no one comes to the Father. It doesn't say no one only comes to heaven. Even though heaven is, our, is amazing and it's the destination, it's not our mission. Destroying hell is our mission. Getting to heaven one day, but I want to bring people with me. I don't want to go there by myself. So when you start to get possessed by this and you start to see the reality of who God's called you to be, all of a sudden your life becomes a beacon of light and your life becomes truth everywhere you go. You can't help but to talk about the one that you love. You can't help but to tell people about the one that changed everything. I share my testimony so many times a day, it's crazy. Why? Because it's real. Man, I'm beside an atheist and I'm telling him. Can I share a testimony with you? You guys all right? Okay. And now I'll share Teen Challenge and this whole thing with God because he transformed me. So I was at a restaurant with a pastor. I went with an AG, AG pastor. So we did a Power and Love, one of our schools. We did 150 of them. They're identity training schools. And we did one recently. We were at this church and pastor's like, hey, I'd like to take you to lunch. I said, I'd love to go. So the pastor comes in there, and, and we go to this, uh, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice restaurant. We got to eat, and we're there, and this lady comes up to, to give us water. And I say, yeah, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you so much. She goes, I'm Catholic. I said, what does that mean to you? You know what she said? I don't know. I said, so you were born into a Catholic family? Yeah. I said, you used to go to Mass? Yeah. I said, did you ever understand what the priest said? No, nobody does. I said, well, I said, when's the last time you went? Um, last Christmas, right around last Christmas. You go on Saturdays, right? Oh, yeah, that's the mass day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, do you say Hail Marys? Do you do all that? She goes, I said, have you ever gone to the priest to confess your sins? She goes, when I was little, but that was stupid. And, and I'm not saying anything. I'm telling you what she said, right? So I'm not bashing Catholicism. I'm telling you that it's all about Jesus. Doesn't matter what denomination, doesn't matter what, it's all about Jesus. If it's, G, if it's not about Jesus, it's not good. Are you with me? So I start sharing with her. I shared my testimony with her, and she goes, that's awesome. And I said to her, I said, would you like to have a relationship with the same Jesus that I do? Because he would love to come and live inside of you. She goes, that will be cool. What do I do? <laughs> so I shared with her what it meant to be saved. And I shared with her about the local church, the pastor that I'm with. Because you can't get them saved without plugging them in somewhere. It's not good. You want to make sure that they can plug in somewhere. So this girl gets born again, gives her life to Christ, starts crying, hooks up with pastor's wife. She gets her number right away. She goes, thank you so much. I, I feel so much better. I said, oh, it's just the beginning. But if she doesn't get discipled and get her mind renewed, that's quickly fading away. Because the enemy don't play. He knows when someone just confessed Jesus, he's like, get her. I promise. No, he don't. He's like, he's after it. Like, it's not like you confess Jesus and the devil goes, darn, let's find somebody else. 
No, no, no. What he wants to do is diffuse the reality of your faith, and he wants to stop you from ever growing in faith, and he wants to stop this thing from growing here, because if this thing gets touched and renewed, he's done. You'll never fall victim to the enemy's attacks because you know the truth, and the truth will... Come on. He hates freedom. The enemy wants to bring bondage in any way. You know he's so done with me. Oh, you just don't... Uh, you just. The devil whispers to me, and I go, thanks, Lord. You're so good. I love you. I'm serious, because immediately when he says something, all these scriptures that I've put in my heart rise up and become the stronghold right here. Uh, scriptures that I don't even remember reading. Like the devil will say, well, yeah, well, you. And all of a sudden, and the Holy Spirit, my best friend, brings all these scriptures up right here. And I'm like, thanks, God. It's the best. Like, he's done. Like, I'm telling you that you don't have to live the way you're living. You can live and walk in freedom. But here's the key. You got to do the work. The work is to get your mind renewed. The work is to get this soul completely transformed so that you think like God created you to think. So when you look in the mirror, you go, I see you in there. <laughs> People are like, that's arrogant. No, that's Godfident. It's a little different than arrogance. Like, I believe that I am who God says I am. You guys can say whatever you want. You can hate me. You can say whatever you want. You ain't going to stop this. This freight train is rolling, man. You are not going to take this thing off the tracks. No, no, no. And I know what grace is. Because grace is not a license to do whatever you want. Grace is the ability to walk like Christ walked, buddy. Oh, it's so good. Well, I mean, I'm under grace. No, no, no. Stop it. Like, Jesus did not say, you're under grace, go sin and do what you want. You know God will forgive you. That's not grace. That's stupid. That's stuck on stupid. That's living under the wisdom of the world, incorporating Jesus in, seeing what you can get and how far you can push the line. Come on, man. We sleep with our girlfriend, and all of a sudden we feel bad about it, and then like, but it felt good, but I feel bad, and all of a sudden we, we start to cross this line, and then, and then just a little bit more, you're, now you're not feeling so convicted by it anymore. You sear your conscience, and you shipwreck your faith, but you can still do miracles. You can still heal the sick. You can still pray for people to get out of wheelchairs. You can still prophesy. You can still hear words of knowledge. Why? Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. You don't have to repent to walk in a gifting. That's why we've seen great moves of God fall flat. Because you have somebody that really didn't have intimacy, that really didn't guard their heart, that really didn't steward the word of God inside, behind the scenes when no one else was looking. They didn't really seek the Father in the secret place when no one was looking. They actually sought God for gifts, got them, and all of a sudden didn't grow in fruit because they lived a life of rebellion but walked in the miraculous. But when they stand before the Lord, on that day in Matthew 7, it says, on that day they'll say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? Didn't we heal? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we cast out devils in your name? And God says, away from me, I never knew you. It's the difference between you saying you know God and you knowing that he knows you. Because when you step into intimacy, woo, you know that he knows you. You know that he sees your every move. You know that he hears your every word. You know that he, hear, he sees your every thought. You know that he sees you on the internet. You know that he sees whether you're getting your praise from man or your praise from God. Come on, man. That's why I don't live by the praises of man. I can't die by the criticism of man. You guys say, great job, that's great, but I've got the great job from my Father in heaven. 
I've got him going, attaboy. He's, he's my dad. He loves me. Like, he's, people think I'm out of my mind, but really, I'm out of yours. I live this way every day. There's nobody... I live this way every day. There's nobody that's not seen me live this way. There's nobody that's heard me not preach this way. I preached the same way for 19 years. I just have a deeper intimacy and relationship with the Father. He loves us. Like, he loves me. He's not tolerating me. Like when someone tells you, well, God loves you, but he doesn't like you. That's not in Scripture. That means God loves you because he has to, but he tolerates you. We teach people that you, you have to love them because it's command, but you don't need to like them. That's anti-Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That is not God. Like, you're telling me that I have to love you because it's command, but I don't like you. That's not God. That's demonic. We're taught that in life. Well, you know, your family, you got to love them, but you're going to like them. No, I'm not telling you to like their actions. Because if their actions are sinful, you, you're not required to like that. But if you don't love them sincerely, there's no hope in you for them to change. Therefore, you can't pray in faith because you don't like the way that they do. And honestly, the real reason is because you're in the way. If you've got a problem with this one and this one and this one, it's not them, it's you. I'll say it again. If you have a problem with three people, it's not them, it's you. You are in the way. People hate that. They're like, what are you trying to say? But now you got a problem with me too. Like, what? What is love? What is love? Jesus. Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. Colossians 1.15. Jesus was the express image of the Father. Come on, Hebrews, Hebrews 1.3. The express image, the absolute image outraying image of God, the, the, the example of who God was. It says in John 14 that Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't go. Are you with me? Yeah. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you going? Well, you can't go where I'm going. Well, no way. Okay. One of the disciples jump up. You're going to the Father. Show us the Father. It'll be good for us. It'll be sufficient. <laughs> That's what he said. I mean, think of this. Jesus is like, where I'm going, I'm going to go. I'm going to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The disciples heard it, got it, and said, well, then show us the Father. It'll be sufficient for us. Jesus said, guys, have I been with you so long, and you don't know me? He who has seen me has seen the So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? Come on, guys. It's crazy because Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. He's the express image of God in the flesh right here on this earth. And it was all through agency of the Holy Spirit. And that same thing is available for all of us. But we've fallen short, and we don't even believe it's attainable to walk Christ-like. Yet, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God. Well, how can you, why would God tell you to imitate him if you can't? Why would God say be an imitator of God if you can't do it? That would be craziness. Well, that's not true. Therefore, be imitators of God, dear children, and walk in love. I'm sealing it up tight that you'll have no way out at the end, I promise. 
Why? Because it's all scripturally sound. And I'm not just coming up with some sermon. It's something that I live every day of my life. And I believe it's possible. I'm not perfect. But I am obedient. When God convicts me, I listen. What you never want to do is sear your conscience so that you can't listen anymore. You don't want to sear your conscience so you can't listen. You want to get your conscience free. You want to get all the debris out of here so that you can hear his voice. This is all about hearing God's voice. God says, my sheep will hear and obey my voice and a stranger's they will not follow. You can't follow a stranger's voice unless you hear it. So watch this. Following a stranger's voice is hearing that voice and then hearing that voice and, and gravitating towards that voice where Jesus' voice is what we need to gravitate towards and always stay focused on. It's called returning to true north. It's, it's, it's going back to the original reason why you got saved. It's so that you could fall in love with a God that fell in love with you before you were born. And all of a sudden, this thing gets so strong. The strength of your love and God's love grow in union and communion. Jesus said it in John 17. I'm not praying for just these that believe it. I'm talking about the people that believe in me through their word. That I might be in you and you might be in me. That we might be in them. It's the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is not our Father who art in heaven, even though we've named it that. That was where Jesus gave the disciples a model prayer. But the Lord's prayer is John 17, where the Lord lift up, lifted up his eyes and prayed. And he prayed through the whole chapter. And he said, you know what? I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Man, Jesus didn't pay a price to just design a rescue mission to get you out of here. No, no, no. He knew there was going to be war here, but he knew that the weapons of our warfare were mighty in pulling down strongholds. He given you everything according to life and godliness, but we're not utilizing hardly anything of what we've been given, so we're being pummeled, and my people, in Hosea 4, 6 says, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then Hosea 4, 7 says, and having received that knowledge, they reject it. Going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's one that's never been with anybody before. But in the context of what he's saying, he's talking about your mind. And he said, so that I might betroth you as a chaste virgin, one that's mind has never been with the world before. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, holy and blameless. Oh. Guys, God wants this thing to be a blank canvas free from all the debris of yesterday so that God can write on this thing. It's beautiful. God wants to transform the way you think. And we've, we've gone about haphazardly in our transformation pursuit. And we've read books about like people that have had encounters. And I'm not against books, but God doesn't want you to be an echo. He wants you to be a voice. <laughs> you guys okay? Sometimes it scrambles minds. Like I start preaching, people are like. Because <laughs> it's a lot of truth coming. But I believe that you can preach so much truth on a subject that lies have to leave. They're forced out. See, it says it in scripture. It says that when a strong man guards the house, it says it remains. But when a stronger one comes in, 
he binds that strong man and kicks him out. Now, in the, in, the, in the sense of deliverance, when it comes to the demonic, when, the strong, when, a, when a demon holds a place and then the Holy Spirit comes and kicks that thing out, it's necessary. But that demon or that demonic thing, that thought process, goes through arid places looking for a home and it comes back to see whether the home is occupied. And if the home is not occupied, seven worse than what began take place. So think about it in the context of somebody that's born again. You got somebody that comes out of great tragedy. I'm talking a great mess like me with all the addiction and everything that messed with Ouija boards and, and, and all that. Had a book of shadows, practiced witchcraft. You name it, I did it all. Believed in reincarnation, went to seances, like, come on, went, went under hypnosis. I did all of it because there had to be something more than this. But <laughs> Jesus was never any of it. So then I find the real thing, ah! But what if I didn't pursue transformation? All of a sudden, this house that's swept clean, all of a sudden, it's only a short period of time before I'm bombarded with way worse than what I was bombarded with before. And my mind gets possessed with lies again. And now it's way worse than what it was before. And I don't know how it could have got worse than what it was. Because I was suicidal. If I'd have let that happen, I'd be dead today. Because he would have drove me to definitely taking my life and probably a lot of other people. Because I was that volatile that I would have shot a lot of people. I would have, you'd have read about me on the news, I would have been one of those that do it every day somewhere. And it's getting more and more and more and more. But God wants us to be completely transformed. Watch this, it says, but I fear, right after what I just said about Chase Virgin, and I, I talked about like being betrothed to Jesus, he says, but I fear lest your minds might be corrupted, being taken away from the very simplicity and pure devotion that is in Christ. So let me redo it again for you with all of that intact. It says, Oh, that you'd bear with me in a little foolishness, and indeed you do bear with me, for I betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you, because Jesus is the bridegroom. You with me? The husband. We're the bride, the bride and the husband, like the bridegroom. Are you with me? This is part of the bride making herself ready. Because in Revelation it says, Behold, the bride has made herself ready. And Jesus returns. But there is the making ready of the bride that the bride right now isn't ready for. Because she isn't pursuing transformation. She's pursuing feelings. She's pursuing impartation. She's pursuing gifts at the cost of her identity. It's pretty intense. It's really intense. So, oh, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. For I betrothed you to one husband. And he says, but I fear lest as Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness. How did Satan deceive Eve? God heard a question what God said. How did Satan deceive Eve? Come on, eat the tree. Well, no, we can't. We were told not to. Well, God just knows that when you do, you'll be like him. They were already like him through design. So Satan trying to get you to question God's word. How do we know that? He says, but I fear that, that, let's just go there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians so I can just walk you through it. I got so many things on my heart right now, but this is good. I hope my pages aren't ripped out because I ripped Corinthians here. No, I got it. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. I go through Bibles and shred them, and I'm like, so I have an iPad that always has a lot of Bibles on it, too. I do. Watch this. 
And this, this has been the intensity of my life in Christ since I've been born again. It says, bear with me in a little foolishness. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. For indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. So this has been the intensity of my heart since I got born again. That I have this thing inside of me. I see something so clearly that I need the body of Christ to see it. Because I got free. This, this freedom hit me in the beginning of my Christian life. And I've been free for 19 years. I haven't had one day of guilt, shame, or condemnation for 19 years straight. And I am not some special case. Do you understand that the Bible says in Romans that we are, that we are to reign as kings in this life through the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. Reign as a king, reign as royalty, understanding royalty not trying to rise above people, but reign as kings in this life through the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. We are to reign as a royal priesthood, a holy generation set apart for the master. We are. But what helps you to reign as a king is righteousness, is my right standing with God. And righteousness can't be in question in any way, shape, or form. You have to know that you're right with God, regardless of what's going on around you. And grace is amazing, but an abundance of grace, that word abundance means violently excessive amount. So I'm to reign as a king through the free gift of righteousness and the violently excessive amount of grace that enables me to understand righteousness. And I'm to reign as a king in every aspect of life, whether it's my work, my family, a drugstore, a grocery store, a cab drive. It doesn't matter where I'm at. When people come against me, I am still to reign as a king. I am to be quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to wrath. But I have to have the truth of revelation in here so that I have something to work with. But I have to be a steward, and I have to mine Scripture to find truth. When I say mine, the Bible says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. So God doesn't hide stuff from you. He hides stuff for you. He doesn't hide stuff from you. It's not like, like, how many of you have kids, you do Easter egg hunts? How many of you have ever done that? Did you ever take an Easter egg, go out back, bury it in a three-foot hole, cement that thing, put grass over top, and say, all right, do it. And you watch your little two-year-old stumbling around, your one-year-old stumbling around. It's fun, but the joy is when your kid finds the egg and looks at you. That's God. <laughs> the, joy, the joy is that God sees you finding truth. And he looks at you. Come on. <laughs> God doesn't hide stuff from you. He hides stuff for you. But he wants you to search it out. He loves you. He wants you to never be dominated by a defeated foe. The enemy is defeated. Death couldn't hold him down. We're going to lift our voice in victory. We're going to make our praises loud.
That's intense. God just landed on me here a little. Because jealous for you with a godly jealousy, I am jealous for you to see who he's created you to be. I'm not here for me. I'm not here for anything. I'm here because I believe that God's not done with you yet. I believe he's not done with you. I believe he has more for you than just coming to church on a Sunday. I believe he wants you to fall in love with him like he's in love with you. I believe he wants you to be possessed in your soul and consumed with the very fact that God is for you. I want you to understand greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. I want you to know that you know that you know that you know that God is not against you and he's not trying to teach you a lesson. The enemy is trying to pummel you to get you to blame God thinking that God's trying to do something. God can make lemonade out of any lemons, but he's not the one that gave you the lemons. The thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. Don't get it mixed up. If death, loss, and destruction are in your life, it is never from God. It is always from the devil. Period. Now I know when it talks about that scripture, he's talking about teachers that are thieves, but they learn their doctrine from the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that they may have life. And what kind of life? Abundant life. And what does abundance mean? violently excessive so is your life violently excessive with the goodness of God or is it being pummeled by hell itself I'm not talking about stuff I'm talking about your morale I'm talking about your soul I'm talking about you waking up in the morning and when you wake up in the morning the first thought is Jesus thank you I woke up this morning I said, Lord thank you I love you Thank you. I get another day. God, today, I'm going to make sure that they know you. He said, I know you well. <laughs> he's pleased with me. Like, he's not upset at me. He's not like, now, Todd. It's not that. I don't ever get to a now, Todd. Because when God says this has to go, yes, sir, immediately. Boom. Done. Finished. What else? We're good. Okay. I'm serious. My life is a life when God says this, I'm obedient and I knock that thing out right away. Why? That's called catching the little foxes. That's called minding those things in the beginning that are going to matter in the end. Because that little thing that's little now will fester and become huge. Then all of a sudden it'll take you out at the end. This is what's kept my language pure for 19 years. This is what's taken cuss words out of my life. This is what's taken pornography completely away from me. This is what's taken drugs out of my life. It hasn't been in my life for 19 years, and I was a drug addict for 22. I mean, you should see me at a meeting. Hi, my name's Todd, and I'm a new creation. Whoa, 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 Todd. That's not how we do it. You're a recovering addict. Oh, no, I'm way beyond recovery. And I'm not boasting. They're like, you can't be here. Oh, but you guys need to understand, all of you can be free. I mess up meetings. 
Because that's not the gospel. This isn't 12 steps, it's one. It's one step. It's, here's the step. It's in James. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. That's not two steps. I don't submit and then resist. I submit and he's my resistance. It's not two steps. I'm not supposed to fight the devil. The Bible doesn't talk about fighting the devil anywhere. Yet so many people are fighting the devil. You're supposed to fight the fight of faith. Fighting the fight of faith and fighting the devil are completely different. Fighting the devil, you're rebuking him. I, got, I am amazed at the body of Christ that commands the devil to get behind them that's already beneath them. Sheesh. Like, Jesus is the head, right? And we're the body. Ephesians defines that it's the fullness of him that, that fills all in all. The body of Christ is the fullness of him that fills all in all. The ecclesia of God. Are you with me? Man. And it says that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our, doesn't say behind our back. So why would I command who's beneath me to get behind me? Why would I even talk to him? Because we hear that scripture in, in, uh, where Peter is in Caesarea Philippi with Jesus. And he's talking and the devil, or, or Jesus is talking and he says, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, well, some, or not Peter, but the disciples say, well, some say Jeremiah, John the Baptist, one of the prophets. I mean, a lot of people are saying a lot of things, Lord, really. And he says, yeah, but who do you say I am? Yeah. And this will talk about the same subject that we're in right now. This is all about the renewing of your mind. You've got to go after this. If you don't, you're done. You are a sitting target. You are, you are waiting to get pummeled by the enemy. Because if you don't know the truth, you'll believe the lie. So Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. Jesus said, whoa, Simon, you didn't come up with that one on your own. That's what he said. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but the Father did. The Father revealed this. And I tell you this, that upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What's the rock? Revelation of Jesus Christ. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Are you with me? That's what he said. A couple scriptures later, Jesus says, by the way, I am about to be crucified. I am going to be killed and, and given into the hands of sinners. What does Peter do? Peter grabs Jesus. Imagine snatching the Lord. <laughs> Imagine this. Because Peter just got it right. Now, now, Peter is an orphan who doesn't know he's a son. He couldn't know he was a son until after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. So they're still behaving as orphans. What, what this, this message that I'm preaching today is moving you from orphans to sons and daughters. That's what the renewal of the mind does. You're no longer an orphan. You're a son and a daughter. You have a father. It's amazing. So Peter, as an orphan, says, this shall never happen to you. Why? Because he wants to hold on to the best thing that's ever happened. And in the way that seems right to a man, it's right for him to do this because he wants to protect Jesus. Jesus doesn't like his little protection plan. Peter says, this shall never happen to you. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's intense. I don't know if you've ever thought about those shoes right there. But Jesus Christ just called Simon Satan. Get behind me, Satan, says to Simon. Now listen, Simon wasn't practicing Ouija boards. He wasn't practicing sorcery. He didn't have tarot cards in his back pocket. 
Are you with me? He wasn't practicing witchcraft. He wasn't going after the dark realm. He wasn't. He's with Jesus. He's trying to do the right thing here. He's trying to protect him. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for your mind is full of the things of man and not the things of God. What is he saying? For you to say I'm only human is for you to say I'm only demonic. Hey, chill out, I'm only human. What you're saying is, chill out, I'm only demonic. People are like, well, I don't believe that. Well, take it up with Jesus. Listen, in all actuality of it, when Jesus said, I'm going to die, Peter's first reaction is protection. This has not happened to you. I got your back. It's over. And Peter still believed that the day they took Jesus because he cut off Malchus's ear. He still had the knife. He still, Simon, why? Because you can't teach an orphan anything. Because an orphan is always in survival mode. It's really important. This is very, very, very good message today. I'm not boasting in me because this is all scriptural truth. It's not Todd White's message. This is a message for the Lord, a timely word right now at your church right here. You're here at such a time as this. And you've got to choose whether you want this or whether you don't. Because the devil's playing for keeps. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy a people for the lack of knowledge. He wants you to not go after this thing. He wants you to not be hungry, like I said to start this out, for truth. He wants you to be hungry for for gifts. And the gifts and callings of God are available, and they've been given to you. As soon as the baptism of the Holy Ghost comes, they're there. But this thing produces fruit, and God is well pleased that you bear fruit much fruit, and that your fruit remains. It's amazing. Oh, I love how he just goes, and brings it all together. He fascinates me. I was talking to pastor. He was asking me, like, what scriptures do you have? I don't know. I want to, but I don't, I don't know. And I've done it for all these years. I remember my first time going to Switzerland, I was going to do six messages, and they were all two hours apiece. My first time getting interpreted, and they asked me what scriptures I had, and I go, I don't know. If I think about it, I get overwhelmed, because I've got six, I got 12 hours of preaching ahead of me, and I have no, no direction. That's petrifying in the flesh, so I'll choose to live in the spirit, just trust him, <laughs> that when I'm going to speak, he's coming. That's all, that's all I want to do. I want to be obedient, and I want to give you what he's telling me, because what I'm feeding you is what he's telling me right now. I'm not trying to be Mr. Super Spirit Man. It's not, wow, Todd White, look at this. It's not that. It's God is spirit. God is spirit. God the Holy Spirit isn't God the vapor, the mist. It's God himself. The Holy Ghost is God himself. Come on. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. It's big. Without the Holy Ghost, we do not have a gospel. We don't. We don't. And he's not just here to get you saved. He's here to change your life. But he's here to become your best friend, one that you need to get very acquainted with for your life to function the right way. You can be as afraid as you want. A lot of people are like, well, I don't really, you know, I just don't, I don't even like the, I don't like that raising of hands. I mean, I can go worship and I, it's crazy. You hear people, I'm not charismatic. Well, yeah, someone cut you off in your car, you are. If I took you to a football game, you're very charismatic. I don't even want to hear you. 
your team starts losing, I promise you you're charismatic. I've seen it all over the world. I've watched people that sit in church calm and cool. Wife is, praise the Lord. Husband's like, mm. But if I put you in your right sport, your right team, put you in the stands, and your team's about to win, I promise you you're charismatic. All I have to do is put you in your son's football game. Which means you worship a ball and not God. It's idolatry. I'm not mad. I'm just preaching the truth. You just have a charismatic worship service when you get, so, when you get mad at somebody and you go like this and you can't believe you did that. After you did, you get mad. You just had a charismatic worship service for the devil. But you come into church and that's just not your cup of tea. Jeesh. We got some messed up stuff, guys. Man, God says, I desire that men lift up holy hands. People are like, well, it just feels uncomfortable. Okay. That's because pride is keeping you from who you really are. I'm telling you, man. People get so mad. I look around the room. I got some scorns right now. Get free from you. I'm not your enemy. I do. I just got people. I, I really, I didn't come here to make you happy. I didn't. What are you going to do when you're in heaven? How about David that danced under the Lord? Like he danced in an ephod. Like that's barely anything. David's like, crazy, crazy. Like, well, I definitely ain't dancing. I'll just lift my hands. That's good. We'll get you somewhere. But like, why do we lift our hands? It's surrender. When you were three years old and you fell down and your dad was nearby, what did you do? It's because we have a lack of connection with the Father. That's why we can't. But you start connecting with Him, your whole life will change. You guys all right? All right. I'm almost finished, actually. I, I feel really calm today. I, I don't feel... Last night was intensity. I'm surprised that this thing didn't come unraveled because when it starts, I got two over here and one over here. My wife, she's in the congregation. She's like, so funny. I even said on messages, they remind me yesterday because I got one of these guys, whoop, because it's down to here. So when they come out, I got a tail. Do you know why I have dreadlocks? Because everybody wants to know. So when I was in the world, I was in a band. I was a singer. I had dreads. I was very dark. Very, I'd give you that picture too. You'd be like, oh my gosh, he's scary. But I did. And when I got saved, I shaved my head. I'm like, I'm done. When I went to Teen Challenge. When I came out, I let my hair grow. And it's curly, really curly. So it grows like a bush. It's like a, like a bush. <laughs> no joke. So when it's here, it looks like a, it just looks like a basketball on my head. So I let it grow, and I moose it way down to keep it tight, you know. I'm like, Lord, I really want to do dreads, but I don't want to be that rebellion guy. Like, I don't want to, you know. And so I really felt that I heard. I, I sought the Lord for like six months. Like, God, I really, I love dreadlocks. I just always liked them. I like clean dreadlocks, not dirty ones. Because there's some pretty nasty dreadlocks out there. I wash mine regularly. I make sure there's no critters inside of them. I'm serious. And so I really heard the Lord one day. He said, Todd, it's okay. You can do it. I said, but what about scripture? It says about long hair and, and women, you know, having their head covered. He goes, look at culture. 
and I examined culture. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, I can do it? Sure. Well, when I did it, they were springs. <laughs> they, were, they were straight out. Looked like all of them were like this. My wife was like, oh, honey. I'm like, the Lord said I can do it because he's going to break the stereotypical mindset off of the bride. And let me tell you one thing. I'm not in rebellion, but I'm going to tell you that I find religion everywhere I go. People hate dreadlocks, buddy. They're like, Todd White. It's crazy. But you know what it really is? It's a fishing lure. I'm a fisher of men. You have no idea the encounters that I've had because of dreadlocks. Bro, such cool hair, dude. Oh, man, thanks, buddy. I used to, I had a shirt one time that said, I had it made, it said 420 on it, right? I know you guys don't know what that means. But 420 means time to get high. So right above the 420, I had 1 Corinthians above it. So 1 Corinthians 420 means the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So I had that big scripture on the back. But I would go out and have my 420 shirt on, my dreadlocks, and dude, so good. I'm like, can I tell you what it means? I'm like, sure, you know what it means. Look at my eyes, dude. Because it means time to get high in the world. It's 4 o'clock, you're off of work, 20 after you're getting high, rolling a joint, whatever. It's like a national holiday, like especially in Colorado. For real, right? And so I tell them, so many people have gotten sobered and saved and delivered and set free. I mean, radical stuff, crazy, crazy stuff. Let me go back to that one testimony in the restaurant with a girl that got saved. Now I'm going to finish with up a teen challenge, and I'm going to pray for you all, okay? All right. So you thought I forgot, but I did not forget. So the testimony in the restaurant, I'm with the AG pastor, talking to this girl. She gets saved. We have it on YouTube. You can watch it. It's out there. We just posted it, I think, a couple weeks ago. But all of a sudden, another server comes out to give me water, and give us all water. And he comes out to give me water, and I go, hey, man, Jesus loves you. Oh, really? And many attacks me. And I'm like, whoa, wow. I said, you're talking to the right guy, bud. I'm, see, he just lets me have it. Bah, 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 rah. Oh, yeah, well, then why do I have to go to hell if I don't serve him? And then, and he's just going. The pastor's like, oh, my gosh, this is good. And he's real loud so everybody hears. And I go, oh, man. I said, that's crazy. I said, who told you that? He goes, well, people told me that. People did. Did you read that in the Bible? That's what the Bible says? Well, how do you know what the Bible says? You never read it. He's like, well, that's, well, that's what I've been taught. Oh, wow, you've been taught the wrong way. And I'm starting to share my heart with him. And he's, like, getting a little aggressive, and then he, He calms down. He's like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. He doesn't say that, but I share my testimony with him. He's like, whoa, that really happened? I said, it did. I said, you know what, man? I said, one day you're going to stand before God and you're going to answer for your life. It got real intense, but the fear of the Lord had gripped his heart. He's like, I said, so what's it going to be? Are you going to be forced to bow then, or are you going to willingly bow now? He goes, I'll give my life to Jesus now. Oh, it was intense. And everybody in the restaurant was like. But he got born again, and both of them plugged into the church. But you better know who you serve. Because, like, watch. If someone wants to debate, and you share your testimony with them, how can they debate it? What can you say? Like, I'm standing here changed. What can you really say? 
Well, that's not true. Okay. I'm standing here in front of you 19 years free. Where's your freedom? I mean, I, I have so much fun with this. Man, I was in a, I was, I was in a, are you okay? Just a couple testimonies. I was in a um, security. I was going through security. I forget where I was. I was somewhere in the world. It was in the United States. I come out of security and right before, right before I came out, right before I came out, I'm going through, uh, I'm going through the detector thing and, and a guy is over here on another one of those security lines and he goes, Todd White. And I go, hey man, he goes, don't you move, buddy. And I'm like, this could be good or bad. I don't know. <laughs> security. Like, you know when they ask you if you have anything sharp in your bag? I always tell them I do. I got the word of God that's alive, sharp, and active inside of it. Oh, I don't play games with this. I play, I have a great time with the gospel. Where is it? It's right in there. Just be careful. I'll touch you. It's inside of that black zipper. Just some zipper. Careful. Where is it? It's the word of God. It's alive and sharp and active. Sir. I'm like, I'm sorry. But it's true. Look, let me take you. Let me show you. Look at this. Hebrews 4.12. Look, alive, sharp, and active. I didn't lie to you. Telling you the truth. Changed my life. It can change yours too. Uh, people are like, what's well, up? You're just making problems for you. No, no, no. People aren't an inconvenience for me. Everybody's an opportunity to know Jesus. I have fun with this. People are like, you, you just, you're just asking for trouble. No, you're just all about you. When I'm in traffic, and oh my gosh, we're in traffic. People are beside me. They need Jesus. I promise. I've seen people healed, saved, delivered, manifest demons on the highway. Why? Because Jesus is king. He's not limited to my car. So I'm going through security. This guy comes over to me. Everybody stops. We're packed. Everybody stops. He goes, he goes, just pray for me right now. I'm like, amen. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. God, thank you for radical increase in his life. He almost goes down. We're in security. He's TSA. So other people are lining up for prayer. They're trying to run security. It's blocked right now because of hunger of people's hearts. So I prayed for like three security people. And the other guys were like, like, I don't want anything to do with this. So I go out and I go over right out of security. I'm like probably 50 feet out. My wife is with me. Like, it's a fun time. So I go out there, and this guy comes up to me, and he goes, I don't believe in nothing you say. That's what he says. I go, what? He goes, I heard you before. I don't believe in nothing you say. I said, no way. Can I pray for you? He goes, I don't care. So I prayed for him, and he goes like this. <laughs> Manifested demon hits the floor right in front of security that I just prayed for those guys. <laughs> I promise. This guy's on the floor. <laughs> I got down, a, a lady comes up, I'm a nurse, what's going on? He's manifesting a devil. Oh, she's gone. I pray for him. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and gets delivered. I'm sharing with you teaching that trains your mind and your soul to be free. But you have the power of God in your life that's laying dormant. And the devil's getting away with murder in your life and you're not utilizing what he's given you. So life is boring and you're wondering when your time is going to come. And your time came 2,000 years ago when Jesus paid the price he did. And we're waiting for something to happen when it's already happened. And God's waiting you to move because you are the move of God. 
Really? This is intense. But God's intentional, and he wants his heart to be in you. So when the gifts manifest, it doesn't go to your head. Because scripture is sound in here, and you know who's doing it in and through you. I was in Brazil just a little while ago, but, but seven years ago I was there. Because I traveled with, do you guys know who Reinhard Bunke was? I traveled with Reinhardt for about seven and a half years. I was able to be, he brought me in to teach all the schools of evangelism. I was at all the fire conferences. I, would have, I was at crusades. I mean, it was amazing. But Reinhardt was like a dad in my life. So when I was at the school of evangelism in uh, Curitiba, Curitiba, Brazil, I was there. We went out to eat at a, at a godly restaurant called a Shahaskaria. You guys don't know what they are. So Shahaskarias are from the Lord. Because it's all meat. Now, you, you take the green card, eat. You put the red card, they stop serving you. They come around with all kinds of meat. Uh, they're the best ever. It's so fun. So we go there. And when I walked in, I was like, man, I'm like, I just, I just want to pray for the manager. Like, and ask if I could pray for the staff. So the manager comes up. You know, it's about 930 at night. It's packed. It's a Saturday night. So I'm like, hey, is there any way I could pray for your staff? Because God will heal them. All of them. Just bring them to the table. And he's like, oh, I'll go ask. So he goes and asks. He comes back in two minutes. Not at all. He didn't like ask anybody. I said, you didn't ask anybody, man. What are you doing? You just told me you would. He goes, no, they're busy. I said, no, they're walking all around. Can I ask one? He goes, no. He goes, what, you know, what would you like to drink? I said, no. I said, I don't want to drink. I want to pray for you. He goes, okay. So I said, can I pray for you? And he said, sure. I said, can I put my hand on your belly? He said, yeah. So I put my hand on his belly and his back. And I'm with like the 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 CFAN or, or uh, Christ for All Nations. I'm with our director of Brazil. So I'm with I'm with my friend, and he's there, and he's he loves Jesus as anointed, right? So he's got his hand on his shoulder. I got my hand on his belly and his back. And as soon as I put my hand on there and started praying for him, he went yeah! manifested a demon. His tongue shot out of his mouth. I never seen a tongue come out that far. And I used to be a fan of the band Kiss when I was a kid, and even farther than Gene Simmons' tongue came out, his tongue came out straight. And he was like, yeah. he hits the ground. Now everybody's scattering in the restaurant because this is the manager. He hits the ground. He's on his back. His legs are folded behind him. He's got his arms like this. Yeah. He's freaking out right there. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, all staff now has gathered because we got the manager. So we're, we're praying for this guy. You're going to accept Jesus, demon. You're coming out. I don't talk to demons. I don't ask them what their name are, is because they're all liars. What's your name? Don't talk to devils. Make them shut up and get out. Don't sit there and go, what's this one's name? My name is Fear. Who cares what their name is? They're liars. They got to go. Don't let them speak. Make them leave. And so this thing leaves. This guy gets born again. He gets baptized in the Holy Ghost because the house must be filled. Can't leave him like that because it gets worse. It comes back. Way worse. So this guy comes up. He stands up and he goes, I... I cheated on my wife with a witch a year ago. Everything went dark. So this guy's been possessed. I mean, my hair stands up. If you just, whenever a demon manifests, my hair stands up. Why? Because it's evil. Straight evil. But the Holy 